Hi, friends. On this show, I take another political quiz with you. It's kind of a political quiz. I hope you'll take it, too. We will talk about that tweet from Lecrae that got him into a little bit of trouble. And I will start with a legislator in Oklahoma who tried to dunk on pro-life people, and it went very, very poorly. Here's the show. The rapper Lecrae said something recently about Christianity that I think needs our attention. I have an 11-question quiz I want to go through together to see how tribal we are, but we'll start with something fun on this week's Corey Truax Show. Let me take you back. It is the fall of 2007. I'm a junior at North Greenville University, and I get to participate, as a nerd like me would, in something called the South Carolina Student Legislature, wherein we get to go down to the State House and actually stand in this, the Senate and the House and debate bills and write our own bills and have to do it in actual legal, or excuse me, in, in the actual legislative language in their format. And I, being the plucky, sarcastic guy that I was then, I mean, consider me at 20, and you know me at 35, I was a much more exaggerated version of myself then, less mellow, decided to write a bill to make a satirical point so that I could argue the point. And so I went to the well of the Senate and argued for what I called my father's right to choose bill. So I was trying to parody the pro-abortion folks. And the bill was simply this. A father should, through through family family law courts, should have a should have a a method, and I created a method whereby they could abandon their kid pre birth, because if a woman gets pregnant and doesn't want the responsibility of raising a child, a man should ha- should have the same right. We had a terrible problem with inequality here, because then a woman has a, a man's life in her hands if she decides she wants to have the kid, and that kid has to provide. That man has to provide for that kid for his whole life. Can't you see the inequity and inequality of the situation? Of course, you. I think you all know I don't mean the things that I'm saying. I'm trying to make a point about how everybody should just be responsible for their actions, and especially you don't get to kill somebody, kill a child, because you don't want to be responsible for your actions. And so I do this entire bill. There's a couple questions asked uh, of me. I think everyone kind of gets the point. There was a, a vote held of the 28 senators in the room, uh, there was one yay vote. I didn't even vote for my own bill. It was a, a hungover Citadel cadet in the back. I don't know why he was so invested in this idea, uh, but he voted for it. So I do this parody idea. That was 2007, the fall of 07. Fast forward, however many years that is, uh, tw- was that, uh, 15 years later, and a Democratic lawmaker in Oklahoma just accidentally made the same point. Welcome to the Corey Act Show on his radio talk and wherever you find podcasts. I will tell you more about that story in just a minute. We're dedicated to smarter, deeper, and better talk here on the Corey Act Show, and you can find me anywhere you're on the socials, as long as you're on social media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can look for me, Corey Truax, and find me there. Amongst many other things, I get to serve as the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church. Beachwood Church meets at 1030 on Sunday morning in Greenville, and you are invited. You can also find my most recent sermon at Beachwood Church out there on the podcast feed as we continue to work through the Gospel of Mark. Here is the headline from an Oklahoma news station. We'll do this quickly because then I want to get into something more serious. Uh, The headline is, Oklahoma lawmaker walks back on bill regarding father responsibility. Here's the story. An Oklahoma lawmaker 
is walking back on his proposed bill regarding father responsibility. In two weeks from Monday, the the kickoff. I gotta skip some of this. In two weeks from Monday, the Oklahoma legislature will kick off their session, and in advance, Representative Forrest Bennett of Oklahoma City posted that he wanted to introduce a bill that holds fathers financially responsible for the baby starting at conception. Now listen, he tweeted this very clever point. He's dunking so hard on all the pro-life folks. The tweet said, if Oklahoma is going to restrict a woman's right to choose, we better make sure the man involved can't just walk away from his responsibility. And he expected to be making a point that pro-life people would say, well, you can't do that. You can't make fathers responsible. Because there's this obviously idiotic, unintellectual, deep-seated ignorance for some folks on the secular left that actually think pro-life people just hate women. We just actively despise women, despite the fact that the majority of the pro-life movement is led by women, and that's why we don't want it. And so he, he, he is, uh, proposes this bill to try to make a point about his opponents as a parody, and his opponent said, okay, cool, that's a great idea. Actually, your bill presupposes that a child becomes a child at conception, and men should be responsible for their children. I, I could go on a, a fairly large rant right now about one of, our, one of our major cultural problems is men not being responsible for their children. Men who will, the, I guess the term, let's go, I need to choose something else, sire. Let's go with something very uh, anodyne. They can sire a child, not be involved, not pay for their kid, be, a, be that deadbeat absent father. We have wreckage all over our culture from men producing children and not caring for those children. So yes, Representative Bennett, if you want to hold a man responsible for the child that he created, absolutely, we're on board. I just love that he tried to dunk on his opponents, and because his position is so unrighteous, it is so sinful and wrong, it is good that he it blew up in his face. It's good that he was so humiliated and embarrassed that he deleted all the tweets and withdrew the bill. That's a good thing to happen. And anyway, I thought it was funny because I also tried to make a similar point in a parody, but he he tried to parody the other side and failed miserably. All right, here's what the more serious thing I wanted to do. I've done on the show over the last few months some political quizzes with you, and I want to take another one, but it comes from a different perspective. I saw in my social media feeds an advertisement for something called Truth Over Tribe. And some, not all, of the people who endorsed it, I'm a fan of. I like those people. I tend to trust them and think they're good biblical theological thinkers. Now, I admit, as I have started to watch, listen to, and read some of the content from this group called Truth Over Tribe, I'm I'm not fully on board, I don't think. I find this, there's a correlation between these two things. There are folks like me, uh, yeah, I'll start there. There are folks like me who, who say this. The posture towards the political realm, the governmental realm for the Christian in America, I think our posture should be marked in part by sadness and in large part by sadness. It is a, a sad thing to me that it looks like you know, right now, folks on the left, the Democratic Party is not doing well, that they're going to lose a lot in November. And that makes me happy. I think that's good That's good for my country. But then I realize the people who have to win for, that, for them to lose 
it's not particularly bright. It's not a very good situation to be in. I'm sad by it. I'm saddened that there aren't objectively good outcomes available. I'm saddened by the state of governance. And I think that the attitude of a lot of American Christians should be more marked by that, not not cheerleading. Now, I thought I, I was seeing someone at Truth Over Tribe be on that side. Like they're, they're trying to convince people, don't be a cheerleader. But they also seem to be granting some permission that I don't think the Christian has in how we express ourselves politically. They ex- th- this group seems to express an openness to an endorsement of ideas that come primarily from secularism and s- secular leftism and treats them equally as just being overly exuberant or overly uh, towards government or overly patriotic. So I-, I want to recommend this quiz to you with the caveat of my own apprehension towards them because the correlation I was trying to get to was there's a correlation of people who really, really hate the version of American Christianity that was born of the moral panic of the 60s. So the sexual revolution happens, and secular leftism becomes transcendent, family starts to fall apart, and there was a nationalized, Americanized, institutionalized version of Christianity that I think is a it's not even a sub-strain of the real faith. It's something altogether different. It's not the gospel. It's not the kingdom. It is American values placed on top of the kingdom, or at least they've amalgamated, they mixed together, they've amalgamated in a way that's unhealthy. And so they, there's a correlation between people that really, really hate that, and they, they go too far. That They don't just say, hey, let's try to fix the church. They say... This was so bad. The amalgamation of Christianity and the country was so bad. We want you to sign up with these secular, progressive, leftist, insane people and empower them. And while that correlation is out there, it makes me, uh, let's go, apprehension is a good word. It makes me nervous about some of the things I saw in Truth Over, Over Tribe. So I want you to take the quiz. I'll put it out there on social and all that. You can find it yourself. Just Google it. It's out there. We're going to start taking the quiz right now and get my results, I'd love to see your results as well. Their whole theme at Truth Over Tribe is saying to us, uh, you're all true tribal. You're, you signed up with a team. You defend that team in an unhealthy way. You're attached to that team in an unhealthy way, so you're not thinking critically, and therefore not thinking biblically because you're so invested in your team winning. So let's do this. The point of the quiz is to decide how tribal are you. That's what it's called. How tribal are you? Here we go. Question one. Where do you self-identify politically? And it has five options that go from far left to far right. I'm going to say I'm far right. I don't think there's anybody, I don't know anybody more conservative than I am. Uh, next, next question. Which of these do you think are the biggest problems facing our nation? All right, here we go. Uh, elite media, big tech, Marxism, poverty, income disparity, or attacks on religious liberty. So right now, I don't think our attacks on religious liberty are, are that bad. It's bad, but it's not like Canada, so I'm not going to choose that one. Income disparity is not inherently a bad thing. Our poverty rate is super low. We've basically beaten poverty. Marxism isn't a problem. We, it, if, it were a, if it were a more popular set of ideas, it'd be a giant problem, so that's not a big deal. So the only thing on this list 
that I would consider to be a, a big problem is the elite media. And I'm going to say big tech for this reason. I think it's probably wrecking our brains. We, we don't have enough data on totally on what Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of these apps have done to us. But I suspect there's some causation and correlation between our cultural degradation and the ascendance of these apps. So of those of that grouping, I'm going to say elite media and big tech are our biggest problems. Next question. Which of the following describes your view most accurately? It is, I am pro-choice, pro-gun control, pro-open borders, pro-trans rights, pro-universal health care, and anti-Trump. And then there is, I am pro-life, pro-guns, for reducing the number of legal immigrants. I'm against CRT, against universal health care, and pro-Trump. Or my, my views are not accurately described by either list. Obviously, my views are not accurately described by either, either list, so I'm going to say that. I hate that your attitude towards one politician, the, the most previous president, has become a subset of our actual political ideology. Your position on health care and policing and immigration are, are uh, they're on equal level on your attitude towards a given person. Um, so my anyway, my views on those are not accurately described. Next question. When was the last time your ballot included politicians from both parties? That's a never for me. And it has some other options there if you have ever split your ballot. Now it's another grouping of what do you think the, the nation's biggest problems are? Uh, political polarization, immigration, abortion, cancel culture, and LGBTQ issues. I am going to say of this grouping, immigration is not really a problem right now, I don't think. Uh, we need to do it better, but it's not one of our biggest problems. I will say polarization is a big problem. Abortion is a big problem. Cancel culture is. And I do think our LGBTQ madness is a problem. So all of those I'm going to put in. Next, why do you think most people disagree with your politics? The, the, the opportunities for answering are they have well-intended differences of opinion. They are misinformed or uneducated or they're trying to protect their own interests or power. I tend to think people who disagree with me mostly don't have enough information. And so that's what I'm going to choose there. We are coming up on the break. And so when we come back, we're going to finish this quiz. That's actually a very good cliffhanger in my opinion. We'll come back, finish this quiz. It will tell me how tribal I am. And then we'll work through uh, maybe their analysis and see how fair it is. We'll do that when you come back for the rest of the Corey Truax Show on his radio talk and wherever you find podcasts. Welcome back to the Corey Truax Show on his radio talk and wherever you listen to podcasts. If you are joining us live on Saturday morning and you've missed the first segment, we are in the middle of a political quiz. Actually, it's called a tribal quiz. It's going to tell me how tribal I am, and then we'll wrestle through that. I'd love for you to take it as well. It's at uh, choosetruthovertribe.com, choosetruthovertribe.com. You can also Google it, and it pops right up. Here we go. Also, by the way, you're listening to the Corey Truax Show, and you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can also email the show at Show at gmail.com, Show at gmail.com. I hope to get back to one piece of feedback as well here before we're done with the show today. Next question on our quiz here, uh, deciding how tribal I am. How many political stories or opinion pieces do you read on an average week? It's 10 plus 5 to 10 or 1 to 5. For me, it's it's five to ten. I don't think it's more than more than that. Uh, the question is, who in your life do you worry is becoming tribalized on the right or left? 
And I think this is for their own marketing purposes. I don't think I have anybody who's being tribalized, so I'm just going to answer none of the above. Uh, and then which of... Oh, so here's another another one of those groupings of you tell me what do you think the biggest problem in the country is. Which of these do you think are the nation's biggest problems right now? Critical race theory, racial injustice, conservatives, liberals, or environmental degradation? Um, you know what? I'm going to go critical race theory, racial injustice, and I wish it, I wish it didn't say liberals. I wish it said I wish it said liberalism. Cuz the people are often well-meaning. The ideas are harmful, but I I'm going to leave out conservatives and environmental degradation. I wish it would give us the real problem in the country, and that is a lack of the gospel going forth. Uh which of the following do you self-identify as? It has atheist, spiritual, Christian, Jewish, Muslim. Obviously, I will go with Christian. And I think we're coming towards the end here. Uh, I Describe your religious practices. And it's just asking how much you go to church. I'm going to obviously do the, the top one, which is three or four t- times or more per month. And submitting final. Let's get my results here. Okay, so the way they set it up is there are six things you can be. You can be tribalized, progressive, tribalized, moderate, liberal, politically passive, uh, non-tribalized, moderate, moderately, tribalized conservative or extreme uh, tribalized conservative. And I am a moderately tribalized conservative. That's what they say. Again, I'd love to get your results. Here's what they say about me. I'm more likely to be religious. Yep. And patriotic. Nope. Valuing traditional norms and morals for the health of family and society. Yeah, that's correct. I believe America has seen better days when people believed in personal responsibility and self-reliance. Yes, that's true. I don't know how... I do struggle understanding how someone would not think that. The best societies are going to be when each individual person understands I'm responsible for me and then my family and my neighbors. I want to be responsible for what's under my umbrella of of sovereignty that the Lord has given me, and I want to take care of myself. I understand that there's some trepidation about the term self-reliance spiritually because we rely on the Lord. And so I rely on the Lord to give me whatever gifts, resources I need to do the things that I need to do. But I certainly then don't do this. I don't rely on random strangers to take care of me or to take care of my family. Like We're we're going to take care of that together. Of course, that's a better society than a society of people saying, "Someone someone please take care of me. That's, of course, not a healthy society. And here's what else they say of me, that I'm more likely to be suspicious of traditional media. Uh... If you're not suspicious of traditional media, you are missing something. That's a sad reality that news is a business. That's very important to to grasp when you start talking about media bias. Yes, it's ideological. People have points they want to make in a world they want to create, and so they, they curate news for people to try to create opinion and create the world that they want. But it's also a business. It's the news entertainment industry. And so, of course, you have to be suspicious because they're not primarily there to inform. They're primarily there to entertain. And so you get a lot of very, very biased news. Uh, I'm also more likely to be open to legal legalized pathways to citizenship. That's true. Um, but I don't want open borders. That's also true. That's also that, that's rooted biblically. I think you can start, find that first even in the Table of Nations in Genesis 11, question mark, question mark, where you get the idea of nation-states, that, that the Lord 
does establish his good order for this world right now until the, the one kingdom comes for, all, for, for us all is that there would be separate nation states, including borders to separate them. Uh, then the final thing they say about me is, you feel powerless to resist, to resist the left's influence on government, business, media, and culture. In, you, in your view, activist outrage and cancel culture are a threat to society, which makes it challenging for you to build bridges to people on the left. That first sentence is what I want to dive into for one second. I feel powerless to resist, to resist the left's influence on government, business, media, and culture. I mean, I'm not powerless because I come from a, that Christian perspective. There's always hope. But the universality of that sentence is something to consider. This is something I said uh, in the last couple months. If, if Christians were as dedicated to our faith and doctrine as leftists are to their doctrine, we'd be a healthier place. Because that's the thing about leftist wokeism, is it wants everything. It wants your government, it wants your business, it wants your media, it wants control of every part of the culture, it must have its way. And so they're de- it is a totalitarian ideology in nature. Uh, there's, there's more here, that, actually a lot more here, about what they, uh, what they say about me, and I don't care to go through it all with you right now. Here is... Uh, here, so here's what they write. This is what I'm, I first set off my alarm bells, and we'll move on to something else. They Right here near the bottom, Jesus lived in a world shot through with tribalism. Pharisees, Sadducees, Romans, Herodians, Zealots. The list of rival groups seems endless, but Jesus refused to pick a tribe. Okay? Yes. Jesus came to do something altogether transcendent that did not fit into the boxes of any of those tribes. That's true. All right, so he, they continue here. In fact, he, he exasperated his opponents by calling people from every tribe. Matthew, the, the disciple, was a Roman sympathizer. Simon was a revolutionary against Rome. I've made this point before. There is room, obviously, in the faith for people of some ideological difference because somehow they those two guys unified around Jesus. I mean, Matthew really was a Roman sympathizer. He worked for the Romans as a tax collector. There were guys like the, the Zealots that I think one of the Judases was. They, they would rather kill guys like Matthew. But somehow, those two ideological different people ended up in the same, same group following Jesus. So yes, Jesus doing something transcendent above all ideologies was the great unifier. Uh, continuing on with what they wrote, It's doubtful that Simon ever became a lover of Rome or Matthew a total hater of Rome. But Jesus did train these men to live side by side, to love their enemy, to listen, to understand, to find common ground. So their point here is there's a part of the final line here is part of following Jesus is always detoxing from tribalism. Here is the one guardrail I want to put on that. Yes. For the faithfully following Jesus, there will be differences on some some political things. Like even inside of Christianity, in the Southern Baptist Convention, for that matter, in the last year, there's there's been a, a discussion about uh, abortion and whether or not you're an abolitionist. So there's there's one side that says we will reject every single abortion law except for abolition. So if it's, a, if it's a bill that ends abortion at, at six weeks, I don't want it. Vote against it. The only thing we want is abolition. 
we will stop of nothing short. I disagree with those people. But I see where they're coming from. And they're brothers and sisters. And I'm going to spend eternity with them and I love them. We're going to have we're, we're going to have some disagreements. But there are disagreements that leave the family that are no longer orthodox. There, there isn't a, a space to then for, for someone to say, yeah, I, I want to be in the Jesus-following group, and I am for abortion up to whatever weeks, you know, six weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it is. I, 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 can, I can find space in there because of these, these reasons. Now, oh, hold up. Now you're outside of orthodoxy. There are things to separate over. There are things to draw some lines. We don't have to call that tribalism, but that's what makes me nervous about some of these these groups is they seem so intent on unity, and that's good. Jesus prayed for that. The, the high priestly prayer of Jesus, fairly soon before his, his crucifixion, he prayed for unity. In a, heck, he's praying for unity in part with a group of disciples that have these kind of differences. But you do have to draw the line somewhere. And the fact that there seems to be a lack of line drawing for a lot of these groups is what makes me suspicious about them. Because we have a tribalism problem, but you got to balance that against actually being, having some clarity on what's true and what's false. My whole point here now, hey, would you go take the quiz? I'd love to know your results. Last time we did one of these, I got some, a good bit of your, uh, your feedback through email, Show at gmail.com, Show at gmail.com. You can send your results, and, and I'd just love to know your thoughts on anything you get from the Truth Over Tribe quiz out there. Speaking of feedback, two, two pieces of feedback I want to give you. The first was emailed to CoreyTruackShow at gmail.com. It was from Tiffany, who wrote in with two primary points. One was just to say thank you for bringing attention to what seems to be what she called an epidemic of fallen pastors. So we covered all those with the Association of Related Churches, those ARC churches, and the issue they're having there. And she also made a good point that we talked about within the last year or so about the danger of the church being run like a business, like the, the pastor is a CEO that is the type of model being used here that was so dangerous. Then, so I have an update on that as well. Now from the same association of related churches, I'm just seeing so many alarm bells around this association. It, it makes me nervous that maybe there's some in the upstate. There's still some in South Carolina. We, we might need to alarm our, our friends and family as part of these churches that there's got to be some accountability here. Another one of their, another one of their churches down in Orlando just had a a pastor and his wife quietly drive three hours away to a small a, a small county in northern Florida and got a divorce. Started pro- processed a a no fault divorce. She moved out and he's going to continue to pastor. The there are no elders or they their church website says they have a board of trustees. None of them are listed. But there are no other elders beside this one man. That there's got to be accountability for pastors. You just quietly, without any expl- explanation, divorced your wife, broke your covenant, and you're going to continue like it's just going to happen. That one of the one of the ones we covered for the church in Memphis. He, he says on social media after one divorcing his wife, having relationships with two other women on staff, he's coming back next week. He says he's got a, he's ready to roll. He's got a he's got a sermon he wants to give out. And so, thank you, Tiffany, for writing in, but uh, just some updates there on those fallen pastor stories. And then over on Twitter, Zach wrote in to say, I loved your review of Encanto. 
Hey, well, thanks, man. Um, he asked if I'd seen another one of Lin-Manuel Miranda's musicals, Into the Heights. I have not yet, but I do uh, intend on seeing that. And also, congratulations to Zach, who said he, he's, he and his wife are buying their first home to act out that ethic of being in that community, not taking off and running away. I mean, he's, he says uh, he, he, he's had that pull. Let's escape. Let's go do something. Let's, let's go on an adventure somewhere else around the world or, or around the country. But instead, locking in at home, going to give to that local community as part of the themes of Encanto. So thanks, Zach, for writing in. And all of you, after you take your quiz or you have other thoughts, they are welcome on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or at CoreyTruexShow at gmail.com. Lecrae, I know he has been, if you don't know Lecrae, um, he's a prominent Christian rapper. And he has been formative for a lot of people, I think, theologically. I, I find when I read his lyrics, they are theologically deep. They are uh, instructive. I know that my eldest nephew listens to a lot of Lecrae. I also admit when I listen to rap, I don't know what's happening. I can't understand any of the things they're saying. So when the song is on, I don't really know what's going on. But when I read it, I go, oh, that's actually very clever and, and deep. There's, it's not just Jesus loves me, this I know type of shallow theology. Now, Jesus loves me, this I know is a wonderful truth. I'm just saying there's not a lot of depth to it. Lecrae does some really deep stuff. He recently tweeted the following. Once upon a time, I thought I was done with Christianity. But the reality was, I was just done with the institutional, these are all important words, institutional, corporatized, gentrified, politicized, culturally exclusive version of it. He added a tweet after that that said, Vulnerability gets people kicked out of exclusive tribes. Jesus welcomes the outcast and seeks to bring healing. That made news this week in Christian circles because that tweet about being done with those parts of Christianity cost him a show. So he was booked to play a show in some city. The venue was not announced who, who canceled him. But they canceled the show, offended by the tweet. And so he made some, made some noise about it. Now, Lecrae has, for, for his great theology, has seemed really bothered by the American expression of, gen- of Christianity. Seems to really dislike the American church sometimes. I think I come across as disliking the American church sometimes, but maybe not at the same level as Lecrae. So what I want to do is give that criticism a fair hearing. Because I can see what he's saying. He thought he was done with Christianity. But what he realized is, well, there's, another, there's just a version being practiced that's not the real one. I'm done with that one. This is not much different than someone saying, I'm done with prosperity gospel. I, I, want, I want nothing to do with it. It's damaging to people. And I'm walking away from that version of Christianity, but not walking away from Christianity altogether. So I, I want to give him a, a fair hearing for his, for, his, uh, for his complaints here. I stuttered there because something just... Ah, uh, there it is. I knew a synapse was firing to a biblical, uh, a biblical story. I wrote a song when I was in uh, a band about this passage where Jesus says something that upsets a lot of followers and they leave him. I think it's when he said, You'll, you will eat my flesh and drink my blood. He was obviously pre... Uh, he was giving a, like a preamble for what would eventually become communion. But a lot of people freaked out. They left. 
And Peter was unhappy about that, and he's asking Jesus about it. And Jesus just says to Peter, are, are you guys going to leave too? Now that everyone's, a lot of people have left because of this very hard teaching about eating my flesh, drinking my blood, will you leave? And Peter speaks up, I think, for the group and says to him, teacher or rabbi, only you have words of life. Where else would we go? And there is that, I think, that spot for a lot of folks who are willing to go deep, wrestle with doctrine, wrestle with what they believe and don't believe. They will come to a place from time to time of disillusionment and decide there's certain things being taught that they grew up with, that they reject. And that process we've covered on the show is called deconstruction. Some folks leave the faith altogether. But there's also this process you go through where you wrestle through maybe some of the things that you've been taught or grew up with, and what you find is there's still Jesus, and you you come to that space of just saying, where else would I go? I'm so enamored by, so compelled by Jesus of Nazareth, I, I'm going to stick out the things that I find out, find uncomfortable. I'm going to continue to wrestle with them. I'm going to submit to whatever's true. But I can't go anywhere else because there is, there is this Jesus and he's too compelling. I think that's in part what Lecrae has here. I see these things of Christianity that I don't like. It makes me want to go. It makes me want to leave. But then there's the real Jesus. And that's what I want. Now, Jesus does come with doctrine. He comes with standards. He comes with particular beliefs. He comes with practices that must be followed. There isn't a mere Christianity that C.S. Lewis talked about. There is, it isn't just Jesus, because Jesus comes with the church. Jesus comes with the cross to bear. Jesus comes with a, a road to walk with him. And he comes with a Sermon on the Mount. Read that thing. That's what he comes with. And so, I want to wrestle with, when we come back, from this break, Lecrae's problem. He said Christianity that he rejected is institutional, corporatized, gentrified, politicized, all those things. I want to wrestle through those, and then we'll come back around to a few more stories before we finish the show. We'll be back with the rest of the Court Act Show in just a little bit on his radio talk and wherever you find podcasts. It's often one of the more sad conversations that I've had in life, the few times that I've had it, with people who have walked away from Christianity. And when I ask questions about it, uh, I actually got to do this some working for a Christian college and working with other young people back when I was young. So in my 20s, I was working for a Christian university and traveling a lot. And when you travel a ton, especially in a college recruiting circuit, you see the same people all the time. So you become friends with the representatives of Clemson and South Carolina and Coastal Carolina and College of Charleston and all that North Carolina system. You get to see a lot of the same people. And those folks hear the kind of college that I was from, a Christian college, and then find out that when I say I'm a Christian, I believe it. We can, I could tell some of those stories other times uh, of how to establish that you really are a believer uh, in, in secular settings. As those friendships grow, you end up hearing stories. Yeah, well, I grew up in church, and I'm not in church now, and I, th- I think these things, and I, I, this is my my non-practicing self now. And they're not practicing any kind of faith. What I find is a theme, often, is the reason they walk away is a person. They saw a, a rampant hypocrisy in this group of people. 
or this group of people was were, were not welcoming and they were mean. Or they tell me a doctrine of Christianity that's wrong. They were taught a doctrine. They're offended by it. They think it's terrible. But they their understanding of the doctrine is incorrect. They grew up with something incorrect. I'm, I'm glad they walked away from that version of Christianity. It is in part there what I'm seeing with Lecrae. So some folks have experiences of the church and then it, they're negative. It causes them to walk away from the faith altogether. And then there's the, Le, the Lecrae thing here that we are about to go through where he experienced a lot of negative things but wrestled through them, held tightly to Jesus, it seems, and is, is sticking in. So let's go through it on the Court Act Show, on his radio talk, and wherever you find podcasts. This was Lecrae's, I was going to say rant, but that sounds negative. These were his problems with Christianity that made him walk almost want to walk away. The, the tweet, once upon a time I thought I was done with Christianity, but the reality was I was just done with the institutional version of it. We'll start with institutional. I, I don't think this is something you can be upset about. The, Jesus gave us the institution of the church. Now, some of the institutions that we've built are, are problems. Some of the denominations seem rotten to their core. The, the fact that we have, I'll, I'll get to that, those later, but there must be an institution. Jesus gave us the church, and that is, I don't know what to call that besides an institution, maybe an organism, but we have to do things in good order. God is not the author of chaos. Let, let things be done in good order. That's not just individual church bodies, but the church has to be an institution. So that, that one I don't think is fair to be angry at, but this next one. He says, the, the reality is he was just done with the corporatized version of it. Now this one, this one will get to me. It's very real. Especially with what he was doing. He was in the corporate Christian world. Where, let me, I'll start here. I said earlier that the news is not to make you smarter. The news is to get people to watch. There's a whole Christian ecosystem of entertainment that's not there to make you a better Christian. It's not there to challenge you, to increase your spiritual depth or spiritual knowledge or biblical knowledge. They just want you to listen to the songs, stream the music, watch the videos, watch their movies. I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't want to be a jerk. I, you know, I won't name any artists. I'm very tempted to name some particular artists, but... Do you think they, they, their interest is you becoming a more sincere Jesus follower? Guys, I think a lot of them just want to make money playing music. That's not a necessarily a bad instinct. I'm just saying that's the point is be an artist and get paid to be an artist, to get paid to be a singer. There is an, an institutionalized, corporatized Christianity that sees you as its customer. They want to market to you. They do market research on you. They want to sell you stuff. And to that extent, uh, yeah, I, I get it, Lecrae. I've looked at it too, and I don't like it. I don't like that there's such thing as a church growth consultant. It bothers me that they exist, that I can go right now if I wanted to at Beachwood Church, go to a company and say, we would like to hire you as a consultant to grow the church. I, <laughs> you grow the what do you do? You, go ye therefore, preach the gospel to all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like, I could see a spot for a consultant that has to do with, let's call it a guest experience. I'm, I'm into that, right? I, I oversee events at North Greenville University, and I am all about the guest experience. What can we do, all the little things, to make the guest experience excellent? I think there's a place for that in the church world, to create pleasant environments, compelling environments, connective tissue environments where you make it easy for people to connect. There might be a space for that, but like there's church growth experts, and I don't, I don't know. That's kind of bothers me. All right, so he had a problem. Lecrae says he had a problem with institutional Christianity, corporatized Christianity, and then gentrified Christianity. I, I wish he would have given a definition. I think I know what he means. You know, there's, if you don't know what gentrification is, by the way, it is the concept where you have a very, very low quality housing or low quality buildings. You would typically think of it as where, where poor people live. I think Lecrae, because of some of his other things he says, he's probably talking about where historically minority communities live, that because they are low cost, what often happens as a city becomes uh, desirable to live in, people with money find living in those areas to be cheap. And so they, they come and they, they move in. The outsiders move in, the people with money. And because they don't like the way the neighborhood is, because it might be dilapidated or uh, maybe some parts of it are just ugly, you start to see the neighborhood change. More uh, different types of amenities come and it starts to look very different and then it attracts even more of the outsider so that 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 neighborhood that was once poor and maybe minority starts to look higher income and maybe less less minority in its makeup. That's gentrification. We're actually seeing that in a lot of parts of Greenville right now where there are in, entire parts of West Greenville that are getting bought up by developers and so the the folks that have been living in those houses for 50, 60, 70 years, those neighborhoods that have been around for that long are just getting wiped out, and we're putting up giant condos and apartment buildings where those neighborhoods were. I'm, gentrification has its positives. It also has its absolute negatives on a culture. But when Lecrae says it about Christianity, that makes me nervous. I, I don't know what you mean. Because it's, especially if he does mean that you are making a previously... Uh, you're taking an expression of Christianity... Maybe that was for for the poor or for the dispossessed, and you're making it suburbanized. Well, there's lots of different expressions of Christianity. I don't know that this is a. I don't know what he means, so I can't argue against it. But I I don't I don't like the certainly don't like the the tone of it. Two more. He says the politicized version. You know this I get. I get it to my bones. I don't. I don't like that there's an immediate connection between Republican politics and the Church of Jesus Christ. And it's, 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 it's bothersome to me that this thing that started in 1850, is about the time the Republican Party started, maybe the late 1840s, and a party that will die in, uh, I don't know, in the next 100 years maybe. So something that will have a run of like 200 years, that gets associated with something that has been around for 2,000 years and will be around for all of eternity? Nope, don't like that. 
don't don't like the cheapening of the church by making it political. Like I played for you last week that Patriot Church. It so cheapens the message of the gospel. It cheapens this thing that uh, it's hard sometimes to get your mind around it. We're talking about something that started with the God of the universe made flesh, dead, re- resurrected, on a hill, with probably a couple hundred or few hundred followers 2,000 years ago. In a remote part of the world. It was Jerusalem. Not even a major part of the world at the time. On a hill, a couple hundred years ago, said to a few hundred followers, go preach the gospel. Grow, grow this thing, called what ends up being called the church. And we believe he ascends into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. That thing is the most prominent faith on the planet. 2,000 years later, that little group of people and what they believe stretches from Alaska to Australia. That's crazy, and it's awesome. It's timeless, and it's totally global. It's the coolest thing to be a part of. It blows my mind that I get to be a part of it. This this thing that Jesus gave us, the hope of the world is the church, and I get to be a part of it? You're telling me, me, a a fairly low talent person, I get to be a part of a local body of believers, 60 or 70 people. We get to do life and ministry together in this corner of the globe for however many decades we get together to be a part of an effort that we know we can't lose? Like, we're going to win. The gates of hell will not prevail. This is awesome. And to take this awesome, huge thing, the weight of it, I just did my best rhetorical flourish to get you to feel the weight of the church, how big and magnificent and dominant it is. And you want to take that and put it underneath the weight of an American election? That sounds terribly stupid. Sounds gross. No, I, I want to keep it big. I don't, I don't want to make it small. I don't want to put it in American politics. I don't want to put it in British or German politics either. Like, I, I want it to affect all of those politics, but that would be... What I'm saying is, you keep the church above. It's, it's above all things. It's above all these, these governments. And to turn it, it's almost like turning it into a tool. I, I just recently read in Vanity Fair, I, I, uh, I recommend this one. They did a long, it is so long, it's painfully long, profile of Jerry Falwell Jr. And his just mind-numbingly crazy fall from Liberty University. And he's, he's pretty open about how it all happened. I, I largely believe him. He, he even says in the, in the article, a lot of people assumed, you know, I was some big, some big believer because who my dad was, but no, I'm not. I, I'm not a big Christian, he says. He just felt the pressure of it that that's who his dad was and he needed to take on the mantle. But in part, part of that interview, he talks about how the former, former president loved him and they had a good relationship because Falwell Jr. was the first evangelical figure to endorse. So he broke the seal on making other Christian leaders comfortable coming forward and saying, we're for him too. 
And the whole thing just felt dirty because they were talking about the church and how they could use it. It is not to be used. The church is not a token. It is not a tool for anybody. It is the church militant. If you've not heard that term, it's, I mean, it's, it's old. I mean, it's, I, mean, I don't know, over a thousand years ago where people would say things like that. But it's, it's the church marching forward. It's not, it's not a tool in someone else's game. We, we, we are the global movement that will triumph over every government, every philosophy. So it just felt, it felt so gross to hear it talked about as this pawn in their little game. And then Lecrae says, the culturally exclusive version of it. Again, I don't know what that means. If there is, an, on any corner of the globe, someone saying, this culture can't be included in Christianity, then of course we, we, reject, we, we reject them outright. That's one of the beautiful parts of, of the church. It's every tribe, tongue, and nation. I love that part of Andrew, Peters, Andrew Peterson's uh, song, that's, uh, Is He Worthy? We we believe that it is every every creature and to- every uh, every creature and tribe every nation and tongue, he's made us priests to reign with our God or to to reign with the Son something like that. It's everybody. So whatever Lecrae rejected, I, I think it's important to notice two things. There are some versions of Christianity to reject. He was right about some of those, but in the end, let's come back to that core question that Peter asks. So after I've dealt with the fact that some parts of Christianity just want to sell me stuff, and some people want to use the faith just for their political purposes, and some people have some, some, some uh, uh, poisonous ideas and try to use the church for their own agenda, in the end, there is Jesus. There's nobody like him. Only he speaks words of life. Are you going to leave that Jesus? And what else are you going to find for fulfillment? It's, it's only in him that we can find that fulfillment. And so... I, I am comfortable with deconstructing some of the things that Christians have created. But let us all come back to the core. And once we've settled on Jesus, then building out from there uh, all the institutions that he did lead us, including, and most importantly, the church. I'll be back with another new edition of the Corey Act Show next week. Until then, everybody, peace and love. <laughs>